What's up, guys? And I do mean guys. We are talking to men today. If there is more manning up, you know you could be doing in your life. And no, I do not mean at the gym. I mean spiritually, in your family, at church, at work. This world is calling for more godly men. And of course, yes, women as well. But many of today's men have dropped the ball when it comes to being the priest of their home. And today we're talking to the author, Jody Burking. He's the author of, of several books. But today we're talking about his book, uh, Man Up, Becoming a Godly Man in an Ungodly World. So stick around. Hey, what's up, guys? This is John Ryan Kane too. And this is Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. up everybody god bless you and welcome to another episode of leading the christian leadership podcast i am your host john ryan Cantu. this is the show that brings you leadership tips from ministry leaders business leaders entrepreneurs people who have been where you are people who have been where you are wanting to go we bring them in and we talk to them uh, we pick their brain and kind of get the, uh, a little bit of insight um, as as uh, to their experience and their knowledge and wisdom in leadership. And today's guest is author Jody Burking. He's also a pastor. Uh, he's authored several books, but um, our men's class at our church is actually doing a book study on on his book Man Up, and. Um, it's just re- it's really great stuff. We haven't finished it yet, but um, we're more than halfway through the book, and uh, it, it, it's really created some good conversations in our classes. So I thought it'd be a cool idea just to bring him in. Uh, this is a message that I believe many of today's men really, really need to hear, and not just hear, but apply in their lives. And uh, if you are a woman, a woman who listens to this show, um, this I, I would I would encourage you to continue to listen because uh, you know if there is a man in your life. Um, you know, you might get some tips here. And if there is not yet a man in your life, um, well, I I think you're going to want a a good godly man um, who applies many of the principles that we talk about today. Obviously, I'm not telling you what your criteria, what your criteria should be for (laughs) your love life. But um, this, everything that we talk about today um, reflects a good godly man. Um, you know, from from his personal relationship to his relationship with his family, to how he puts God in his work life, in his church life, how he serves, all of that stuff. Uh, so we're going to be talking about it today. Um, and so without fur- further delay, let's go ahead and bring in Pastor Jody Burking. Pastor Jody, welcome. Thank you so much for being with me today. How are you? I'm outstanding, John. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have this uh, this conversation today. We're we're doing a study in our men's class on your book, uh, Man Up, and it's really been interesting. It's uh, it's really allowed our guys to open up a lo- about a lot of things that men generally don't you know talk about. You know, we we're not good about talking with our feelings. You know, about our feelings and stuff like that. So. Um, it, it's really allowed us just to, to do that and, uh, allow me to realize that us men, we're, we're, we're a lot alike, right? I mean, we, we struggle with the same things and um, exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I always say. Like, you know, unfortunately for guys is that we think we're the only ones that have the problem when, when in reality, we only have five major problems and that's sex, wives, money, kids, and work. Yeah. And, uh, we tend to allow our pride to get in the way to talk about those things and, uh, the next thing you know, we're all by ourselves uh, because we think right. we're the only ones going through that issue. Yep, that's true. And just get, giving, getting everyone in the same room and just allowing them uh, that platform to just talk about, you know, what what they struggle with. And a lot of times it takes one brave person to go first. And then it's like a, it's like a ripple effect. Everyone starts opening up. And that's kind of how the conversation went on our first night of the of the study so i want to thank you you know personally just for writing that book and um and we're i'm excited to talk a lot about that but before we get too uh too deep can you just tell the audience a little bit about who you are kind of what's your story um kind of led you to where you are today 
Sure. Well, um, I was an atheist prior to giving my life to the Lord in 2003, um, and I came to kind of a what I would call the, my Damascus Road experience of, of having children and realizing that they didn't come out of a cesspool of algae like I thought they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, after just looking into their eyes and seeing them grow, just things just started making me ask questions. And so my wife and I gave our life to the Lord in 2003. Uh, okay. By 2005, I was uh, uh, becoming very well versed in my Bible every single day, and things just started taking off in a way that I can only say that's supernatural because I, I don't have a degree. I didn't, you know, I didn't do well in school and uh, joined the military when I was. Uh, 20 years old, uh, just because I hated college and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So uh, the Holy Spirit took over in a way and felt the calling to ministry. And uh, within a few years, I started pastoring. And then um, in 2000, and, and the reason that Man Up started was just the way that I came into the church. You know, I kept looking around and thinking, man, these are the kind of guys I used to beat up in the bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a bunch of what I would call sissies at the time. But God gave me a term that these are spiritual sissies in the mm-hmm. church. And, um, I, you know, and, and as a man, if you're called a sissy, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to cower down and walk away, or you're yeah. going to man up and and, uh, and and say, who are you talking to, punk? And so I just really think, you know, when I look down and God looks down at his men, and he sees all of these guys just complacent and lazy, and, and some of them aren't even saved, but they've been going to church their whole lives. He's just like, look at my, look at all these spiritual sissies. Mm-hmm. I've given them Jesus, I've given them the Holy Spirit, and I've given them the Word, yet they're still lazy, complacent, and disobedient to what I tell them to do. Yeah. So that's kind of how Man Up started, because I just really felt this calling and this this desire to, to share with men and to, to train them and to teach them what a godly man uh, really is. And, and what I found was most of them don't even read their Bibles. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that kind of led from reading your Bibles to to loving your wife like Christ loved the church, to becoming a better father, uh, to becoming a better servant. That's a Titus and Timothy model. Like that's, you know, if you're going to be a leader in the church, you have to do those things. And so that's how the book started. That's how our ministry started. And God has just taken over and, and blown it up since then. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And your book is very, it's very direct, you know, and, uh, it, it's bold, and I was joking with the guys in our in our men's group um, on Wednesday. I told them that I was going to be interviewing you, and uh, I was going to ask I was going to ask you why why you why you were so mad um, <laughs> because your book is very direct. You know, it ex- it exposes it exposes that spiritual sissiness as you call it, and just like you said, no one likes to be called a, a sissy in any regard. Um, but right. but when you start to lay out the ways in which men have become spiritual sissies, it's like, wow, I mean, there's there's a lot of truth to this. And so you kind of have to own up to it. Um, and so you, you very often in the book, at least in the first part of the book, you refer to yourself as one time a, a spiritual sissy as well. And so yeah. uh, what, did that have a lot to do with, you know, what inspired you to write this book along, you know, coupled with what you saw as a bigger problem in, in, in Christian men in the church? Yeah, totally. Because, you know, most of my life, I always say that I got married when I was uh, 20 years old. And I've mm. still been married to my beautiful wife. We'll be 30 years this year. Oh, awesome. Wow. And, um... I always say that my mom made my bed before the wedding day and my wife made it the day after. And so I just went from being a boy in my mom's house to being a boy in my wife's house. Mm. And I never, never really knew how to, to be a man. I knew how to be a man, like, you know, to go and work and to fight and to drink and to chase women. Like, that's what I thought being a man was. Sure. Well, then I give my life to the Lord and, um, you know, going from an atheist, uh, a drunkard, an addict, uh, all of these things, and all of a sudden the Lord starts taking over your life and changing you, that regeneration process started, people started taking notice of that. And so um, I started getting accolades at church, people patting me on the back, I'm preaching more, I'm speaking more, but yet I wasn't doing it at home. Mm. And um, I remember the day that my wife came up to me, I was the assistant pastor of the church at this time, and we'd been saved maybe three years, and she said she wanted a divorce. 
And I was like, you're kidding me, seriously? And uh, I was like, I'm a pastor now, and you're a pastor's wife. And she's like, yeah, but you're a hypocrite. Hmm. Um, Nothing that you're teaching and preaching, you're doing at home. And so at that point in time, I realized that I, I was the spiritual sissy in the group. And so I pulled back, you know, because men typically, what we do in our pride is we say, yeah, I can pastor, I can be an elder. But yet nobody vetted me to see if my household was in order. Right. Nobody just, nobody vetted me to see if I had my character in order. Yeah. Like none of that stuff was done, as it says in Titus and Timothy, but yet they pushed me through really quick just mm-hmm. because uh, I could fake it till I made it yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. And so when my wife told me that, I pulled back out of the church. I didn't pull out of church. I just pulled back in my responsibilities, and I started growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus daily in my prayer time, in my Bible reading time, my repentance, and then I started pouring into my wife, uh, and we became a unified front at that point in time. And then a few years later, she finally said, God has a calling on your life. Take off. Wow. And at that, when that happened, man, I felt like I could walk through a brick wall because yeah. she, she was on my side. Um, I was living what I was preaching and teaching mm-hmm. at um, at home, uh, and I was living it at church. And so that's that's where most men fail uh, every single time. We we try to come into church and we do all these things, but yet we're not doing it at home. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a that is a major problem, and I could see that being a major problem, especially for your family, for your kids. Who, you know, you you drag them to church every Sunday, and you tell them you have to be there because you're the you're the pastor's kids, and I'm a pastor myself, so you know my family knows all about right. you know going to church. I I grew up a, a PK as well. I was always in church, and you know if you get home and and, and your dad stops you know, preaching what he preaches at church, he's not living it. I mean, that, that does something to your children that, that sends a, a message to them that, okay, we can just, we can just pretend we can just pretend to play church. And then one statistic that you gave, um, in your book was that, uh, I think it was about 70% of boys who are raised in the church will abandon right, right in, in their teens right. and, uh, not return. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, just the culture that is created at home. You know, we're good about church culture and creating good leadership and everything, but at home, it's got to be the same. It's got to be on a on a whole other level, a, a higher level, in in my opinion. <clears throat> right, it does, and and that's and that's the that's why you know it says that not everybody is called to preach. Sure. You know, not everybody's called to pastor in the Bible because. One, there's a higher responsibility, and two, that, um, you know, it's going to take a toll on your family. So mm-hmm. I always say my first ministry is my family, family, and everything else is the overflow of that. So the more that I pour into my family, the more that I love on them, the more that I show them Christ-likeness in my home, the easier it is to do it outside of the church, because I've, I have my family uh, that comes alongside of me. You know, my son has traveled with me for years on the man up stuff. Uh, my wife did, um, they, they all serve in the church. And so we're seeing the fruits of our labor from that, but it always wasn't like that. I'm just glad my kids were young enough not to see the, the situation that my wife and I were in. Yeah. And you know, um, I wasn't really angry when I wrote the book, but I wrote it so men could hear it. Yeah, and I think definitely. sometimes um, men, and I wanted to write it. So, cause most men don't read first of all, and I wanted to write it kind of at, uh, you know, that sixth, seventh grade education type mentality uh, that they could hear it because um, men a lot of times don't hear, um, they hear, you know, a challenge. They hear a an accusation. They hear, uh, you know, you're a sissy kind of deal. And that's where I wanted men to really just take, take knee, you know, take hold and say, holy cow, does God really think this? Yeah. And um, when they do that, you know, we've just we've seen so many men just come and and just say, "Holy cow, that that book just rocked my world," yeah. uh, because I was lazy, I was complacent, and I was disobedient to God's word. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's I think it's a a pretty good tactic as well because um, one thing that we've discovered is that, uh, and this is one point that you made in the book, is that um, women tend to be the spiritual strongholds in their family. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they, they drag their families to right. church. They, they try to maintain that a healthy spiritual lifestyle. They're more involved in the church. And, um, I have found that to be true in, in so many of the churches that I've visited. Um, and, and even in my own church, you know, I've, I've been in my church 
all my life, 30 years. And, and so I've seen different generations of, uh, of leadership. And it always seems like, like the women, they tend to be the pillars, you know? Um, right. And one thing that I know about men is <laughs> when, when your wives, you know, get on to you about certain things and it, it becomes repetition and they're nagging you. It's like, Hey, you need to go to church more. You need to go to church more. It, it starts to become, we, we kind of get numb to it. And so that's why I really like your, your, your book, because, you know, we're hearing this, we're hearing this from another man telling another man, Hey, man up, you know, leave the spiritual assistance behind. Like everything that your wife is saying is true. You maybe you haven't listened to it, um, but not, it, it's time. It's time to man up. And so I, I really love that that challenge. Um, now, why do you think? Right. Why do you think men yeah. generally shy, shy away from kind of like the driver's seat um, more more than women do in in regard to you know spirituality? Because it's easy. There's no there's no pressure. Um, you know when you're like that, but when you step into a spiritual leadership role, um, the pressure is on at that point in time. Um, and it's easy to allow your wife just to take control of everything and, and just sit back and say, well, um, yeah, I bring home the bacon, you take care of everything else. That's not what we're called to do. Like, you know, that's the least of our worries in most cases, uh, is bringing home the bacon. It's, it's what you do when you get it home. And so, you know, God, God made men specifically physically stronger than women. Uh, and we're also not as emotional as women, which helps out in, in a couple of different ways. One that we can take on the trials and tribulations a little bit easier than most women, Mm -hmm. And all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, if we would learn to to come alongside of her spiritually, take some of that over, uh, you would have a wife that is now um, submissive in a spiritual, godly way that she will come alongside of you. And I'm telling you what, when my wife is is in my in my backcourt cheering me on, so to speak, man, there is nothing that I can't do. But mm-hmm. the moment that I walk away and allow you know uh the enemy to divide us um it's a lot harder at that point in time yeah 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 definitely um one thing i'm I'm gonna quote this from your book um i i think it's so powerful it says that a lack of men participation in the church is strongly associated with congregational decline um and of the men this is the part really that that got me and of, of the men who go to church, many of them do as little as those who don't. <laughs> and you right. you talk about the 80-20 rule, you know, where uh, where 20% of, of the congregation is doing 80% of the work. Um, and uh, and so that's that's a really, really big um, issue in, in many churches. And it seems like, you know, women do tend to do the heavy lifting and men are just kind of, you know, they're either not there or they're just you know, they're not there. Right. <laughs> they're there, but not there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a major, major problem in all churches. I, I travel to about 15, 20 different churches a year, just doing the man conferences. And, um, you know, if, if men would come alongside our children and teach them, uh, the church would grow. If men would come alongside our youth and mentor them, our church would grow. If our men would come alongside of the adults and disciple them, our church would grow. And that's really what we're called to do. We're called to, to make disciples. And if we're not doing that, then, you know, why even, dude, why even go to church? Yeah. To be honest, like if you're not, if you're not a part, that's what I tell my congregation. Like if you don't want to serve and you don't want to leave, go somewhere else. Um, you know, watch the football games on Sunday. That's fine because that's about all you're doing here. Yeah. Uh, wishing you were somewhere else. So either get involved or get out. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a hard message, but, you know, there are people sitting in churches 20, 30, 40 years that have never done anything, like literally never done anything. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a sad state of affair for our for our churches right now. Absolutely. And you can tell that that's that's the that's the the general rule for most churches, unfortunately, is that we don't step up. Uh, but ch- churches that, you know, that have men stepping up, the pastoring role is the easiest position in the church because mm-hmm. the men are coming alongside the pastor. Yeah. They're protecting him. Um, they're helping him, and uh, man, it's just it's nice when that happens. And I've got a, I've got an amazing church that we planted five years ago, and um, that's my number one responsibility is the ministry to the men outside of the pulpit. 
Mm-hmm. And so as I minister to the men and I disciple them, I'm seeing their family step up almost like deacon roles. The whole family is serving. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to, I want to kind of get into uh, a little bit of, of the meat of your book. Um, you challenge men to man up um, in, in, different ways uh there's i think there's eight chapters um in your book and um i want to kind of talk about in which way you you challenge men to to step up um because it's not just manning up in the church it's you know it's manning up with with a lot of things and i think i think the way that you have it um you have the, the kind of the progression of manning up i think it's 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 the way that it needs to be. Um, chapter one Thank is you. man up personally. So first, you need to recognize that there's an issue in yourself, and I'll let you expand on that a little bit, man. To okay. man up uh, personally. So so a personal relationship one is first you've got to know if you, you know Jesus Christ because you know like I said earlier, men have been going to church and women have been going to church for years and years and years and and we're seeing the moment that they hear the true gospel a lot of times they're giving their life to the lord so your first responsibility is to know that you know that you know that jesus christ is your lord and savior uh, well how do you know that well by faith one i'm i'm asking jesus to be the lord and savior by faith i'm accepting that and i understand that um and then uh regeneration have you been regenerated does your life look different uh, now than it did the moment that you supposedly either said a prayer, got baptized, you know, confirmed, whatever that is in your life, are things different? If not, then I would say you don't know the same Jesus that I do. Um, and a lot of people, not just me, but a lot of people who have been regenerated, and they're actually uh, fruitful from that point on. And then um, read your Bible. I, there's three things that I teach Christians all the time. Read your Bible, pray, and repent. Um, people aren't repenting because they have no clue what the Bible says. You know, they're morally okay, but they're getting their morals from Facebook and uh, Google and, you know, everything else instead of our our society, which, gosh, you know, that's a whole other story. Um, But they have no clue to repent. So the relationship with God uh, is quenched. And so read your Bible, pray, repent. And those are three things that I teach to have a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. When you start doing that, man, it just, it, 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 you, you blossom. And Absolutely. that's a cool thing to see when people Definitely. start doing that. Yeah. You know, I, I want to say that a lot of times, um, step one is skipped and yes, even step one, two and three, and they just go to step four. And that's, I think right. part of the reason and step four is manning up in the church. I think that's part of the reason why you, why you mentioned that a lot of the men in the church are not, they're not doing anything. They're just attending church. And um, that that really doesn't do anything because they haven't they haven't taken care of themselves and their family first. Right. Well, that's that's the whole issue. Like, you know, steps one, two and three, personal relationship with Jesus. Number two is a relationship with your wife. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, for those who are married, particularly because that we bypass our marriage to become either really good parents or, you know, fathers uh, and really crappy husbands, or were really good leaders in church and really crappy husbands and fathers. And yeah. so, um, number one, the personal relationship with God is going to bring us closer to our wife. If we will start washing our wife with the water of the Word, and we start uh, loving her like Christ loved the church, and that's sacrificially, we sacrifice ourselves to come alongside of our wife. We're making sure she's doing her devotions. We're making sure she's having her quiet time. We're giving her opportunities to have her prayer life and then even washing her with the water of the word. So you're reading it with her, you're praying it with her. Uh, and that's not a daily thing that can happen, you know, every so often, but man, just try it and you're going to see major unity happen. And so, um, we are together forever. We're not going to get a divorce. Uh, our kids are made or, or I should say they're born to leave. And so we have to raise them in a way that one day my house is going to be empty. It's going to be me and my wife sitting across the table from each other. And if we don't know each other, you know, you look at the stats right now for empty nesters for divorce, outrageous. I mean, we're talking high 60s um, right now. High 60% of empty nesters are getting divorced. It's crazy because they don't know each other. And so when that happens, then we become better parents, not just a better father, but better parent. Yeah, and we yeah, can parent in a godly way 
We raise right. them up. They see the unity. You know, kids, kids are little devils sometimes, and they'll split, you know, the family. They'll split the parenting, um, and a lot of times the parents will take sides. You know, they'll allow the kids to take sides. Um, but, you know, in our home, what mama says, daddy says, and what yeah. daddy says, mama says. And somebody's getting a beating if they go against that, you know, <laughs> some somehow, some way. And so um, we have to be unified, and then that, that makes the whole family unit unified. Sure. Sure. And yeah. then step number four is the church. Then step into leadership. That doesn't mean, or and, and servitude, not just leadership. Not mm-hmm. everybody's, not everybody was born and created to be a leader. Yeah. Um, but you know, even during this process, you can pick up garbage. You can walk through the parking lot and pick up. There's nothing, nothing. To, I'm not saying don't serve in the church. You need to be serving the church, but don't step into leadership of the church or teaching or small group leader or anything like that until you have your household in order. Yeah. Uh, because what the enemy will do is he'll use that against you at a later date. He'll split you mm-hmm. somehow, some way if the family is not unified. That's so good. Yeah. So that's so true. That's so, so those true. are, those are the first four areas that I, I stress highly for men to, to make sure that they have, um, have an order and yeah. continue. That's, it's not just a one-time deal. That's the first four things that they've got to be doing in their life. Right. Yeah. And, and just, you know, just personal testament to, to all of that, you know, um, if I'm in a, if I'm in a, you know, my wife and I have a little disagreement or something and, you know, husbands and wives do that pretty occasionally. Right. Um, and if it's, if it's like a, like a bigger than the normal one, um, and I go to like prepare my sermon, I don't know if this is just me. I don't know if this is many pastors can relate to this, but I, I can't do it. Like if no. I, if I am, if I feel like there's something there between my wife and I that needs to get worked out, like I have to do that first because I feel like I can't deliver a message if, if something, you know, even if it's a tiny disagreement, it doesn't mean that my whole household is not in order, but it just, it, uh, it's me prioritizing my family, uh, before, before, you know, before my ministry. Um, and so I, I don't right. know, I don't know if you've ever had that ex- experience as well. Um, but that's, that's, that's something that I've, I've, I've encountered many times. Uh, I, I just, I want, I want to make sure that my wife is good. My, my daughter is good. Um, and then I, I have a clear head and I'm able to focus on, you know, my, my, yeah. my pastoral duties. That's good. Yeah. Cause I, again, you, the overflow of your ministry is going to come from your first ministry and that is in your family. Mm-hmm. I know there have been times where I'm preaching and I say something, I'm like, oh, I'm getting killed when I get home for that one because <laughs> I don't even do that. You know, and it's happening a lot less, you know, the older I get, the more I preach uh, because I'm learning from those mistakes is that I'm making sure that I do it at home as well. So, yeah, I, t- I totally get it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, OK. And most and most men live their lives like that. Yeah. No, yeah. you know, yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah, sure. So, uh, man up personally, man up in your marriage, fatherhood, man up in church. And I, I, like I said, I think all of those lead to the next one. You know, if, if you have manned up personally and you're not, if you're not married yet, when you do get married, you know, yourself is, is taken care of. You're going to take care of your family. Uh, you're going to take care right. of your wife. You're going to take care of your children. Um, and then you're, it's going to lead to manning up in the church. And then number five, chapter five, um, man up at work. And we actually haven't gotten right. to that chapter yet. Uh, we're, we're reading that this week. Um, so what, what does it mean to, to man up at work? Well, I think one of the biggest issues right now in society is that it's because of the Christian man not speaking his mind biblically, not uh, living the life out biblically, not being the light and the salt biblically to the rest of the world. We've allowed our culture to take over uh, the school system, our work. Um, So we, we can't even, in most cases, walk in uh, with a Bible into work, you know, for a lot of people that's, they can get fired for that, you know, but bold enough and, and um, uh, uh, godly enough to, to actually do it. Okay, so if, if you believe that God is going to take care of your every need and your every desire uh, for His by His will, then nothing should scare you from that. But unfortunately, what we've got are guys that, you know, raise holy hands on Sunday and then go raise holy hell on Monday mm-hmm. and um, at work and and are really um, a really a bad example uh, of of a Christian. And I always say, man, if you 
living the life, you know, don't tell anybody that you're a Christian because you're just giving the rest of us a bad name. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's the hypocrisy. It's the hypocrisy that happens at work. And so, man, you know, just man up at work as well. I mean, if, if people were to, you know, you're standing in a circle and people were to ask a question like, who, who would, who do, who do I know that would pray for me? Yeah. Like, would they choose you? Or could they even pick you out of the room to be a Christian? Yeah. So if, if, if people are, if your coworkers are surprised when they find out that you're a Christian, you're kind of, kind of doing it wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Majorly wrong. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's such a good point. You know, when we're, when we're at work, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're out in the, uh, the, we're out in the ministry field, you know, we're, um, we're, we're out in the world and that's, that's where we're actually called to be the church the most, you know, we're not so much called to be the church inside the church. That's kind of, that's where we, you know, that's where we gather, that's where we worship, but where we have our impact is going to be at at work, um, with our, with our friends and our social lives. And if we can't be the church there, then it's like, you know, being the church at the church is, it kind of cancels itself out. Like, what are we, what are we doing? You know? Um, so that's, that's 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 a great point. Um, Number six, man up and be, be accountable. I like that. Right. I like that. And well, uh, and yeah, this this is a major major disconnect in the church. Um, you know, we're seeing pastors fall. We're seeing yes. elders fall. We're seeing denominations fall uh, because of the lack of accountability in people's lives. For for us to to say that um, we not allow somebody the authority to come in and and have um, have a right to check my lifestyle and let my 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 daily walk and my my internet browser and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff man that's that's a scary place to be yeah. and um, you know we've got a major issue with porn in the church yeah. um, not only men and women but teenagers nowadays the average age for a person viewing porn is seven years old for a kid viewing porn is seven years old and so We've lost this idea that we we can't hold each other accountable because again, like I said at the very beginning of this, is that we think we're the only ones that are struggling with this. Mm-hmm. When stats in the church right now are eighty percent of the men are viewing porn um, yep. in most cases, and so this accountability issue is is uh, is huge. Whether it's your finances, whether it's your relationship with your wife, um, you know, men need to have an accountability partner, somebody that they can talk with. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it should be an always, always be another man, never another woman. Sure. Do you think, think that you need to talk to a man? Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, do you think that some men um, shy away from being accountable because they feel like they, uh, they're in the same, they're in the same mess um, as, as others that, they, well, how can I help someone if I struggle with this? I, I, I think that that's, that tends to be a, a, an issue um, yeah. among a lot yeah. of men. One is they think that they are a staple in the church and they are so pompous uh, that they think that, you know, I, I can't share this with anybody, you know, that would, that would, um, that would ruin my reputation kind of deal uh, because they have that such piety in the church that, you know, they've been a Christian for 25 years and Mm -hmm. 30 years, and we can't talk about this kind of stuff. And that actually happened to me with a guy um, in my own church. Um, And and then you have the others who uh, just don't know. Uh, One is that they are not praying, they're not repenting. Um, And then, then, yeah, there are those that have, you know, that fear of just opening up. And just like you said earlier, your first, your first uh, meeting, you start talking and somebody opens up and shares and is vulnerable. Holy cow, dude. I'm telling you what, that's when people start opening up going, yeah, man, I got the same problem and yep. uh, the same issue. And, and that's where we would need to encourage in small groups, stays in small groups. So we're going to talk about it. We're yep. going to be confident, confidential about it. Um, and uh, there may be some things that you need to, to take off to another brother. You know, find somebody in your life that you know that one will hold you account- accountable. Uh, accountability yeah. is not just one person talking all the time. That's yeah. counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually two people talking with each other, sharing some of the hurts, their, their likes, their dislikes, their sins, uh, and then having the ability to come back and say, 
Yeah. How you doing? Are you struggling? Let me see your phone. Um, how's your conversation with your wife? Did you pray with her this week? Are you reading your Bible? What'd you read? You know, not just did you read your Bible? What'd you read? You'd be amazed when you ask a guy, hey, did you read your Bible? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you read? Um, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, and you realize, okay, well, don't lie to me. So yeah. um, that's accountability, and we don't have that in the church. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, we we don't. Um, <clears throat> I think women have great accountability. <laughs> uh, men men not not nearly as much. Um, what what do you what do you think about? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you kind of cut off. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Um, no, go ahead. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Uh, you know, this this is a leadership podcast, so you know a lot of people who listen to this are in leadership roles. Um, you know, whether that be ministry or organizational business, whatever. Um, so speaking to church leaders and ministers and maybe even some pastors who feel like they can't share some of their struggles because well, I'm the pastor, um, I'm the leader. What advice would you give to those people? Should they find accountability outside of their church, uh, maybe another pastor uh, what would you say to that? I would say both. Okay. Um, I would say, so here's, here's, here's the way that God has just kind of worked through me. So I have uh, pastors who will come alongside me. I even have friends who do not go to my church that come alongside of me. Um, I probably have, I would say, six friends that I confide into different things. Not all the same things. Some of them are maybe on the sexual, you know, the lust side or the, you know, those issues or the pastoring side of just, you know, how you want to take somebody and put your hands around their neck and shake the Jesus out of them kind mm -hmm. of deal. Uh, there are pastors that I talk to about stuff like that. And so, uh, but when I go through these, so let's say for an example, I'm dealing with a pastor and we're, we're, we're counseling each other. We're keeping each other accountable. And I start working through this and we're sharing scripture and prayer and things start working and things get out of my life, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I then confide in my church. I confide in my, uh, my men's groups. I confide with my elders that, man, I've been struggling with this. I just want you guys to know that, uh, here's how I'm dealing with it. Yeah. And I share it with my church because mm -hmm. what the church wants to know is that the guy standing up there on the pulpit one, doesn't think he's perfect, and two, that I don't think, you know, like, they, I don't want them to ever think that I'm perfect, because yes. the moment you put a pastor on a pedestal, you will always be let down, mm -hmm. every single yes, time. Right. And so I have to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus daily, but I'm also human, yeah. and people have to realize that. You hear people say, oh, the pastor's human. Yeah, we are, but the second he's in, they're like, oh, kick him out because he's sinned. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I also share with my church those vulnerabilities. Yeah. yeah well, I think that makes you real, you know, it makes you relatable and approachable. I think, you know, my congregation definitely appreciates that when I tell them, Hey, I struggle right. with these things too. With that in mind, that's also the way like that, that you work with your, your spouse, yeah. your wife. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, most of the men that I deal with are having some kind of lust or pornography addiction. Yeah. So as we work through those things, I tell them. Do not take off running to your wife and confess this yet. Let's work through it. Let's get a plan of action. Let's go to her later on, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it takes to say, honey, I used to have an issue, but now I'm healed. Thank mm -hmm. you to Jesus. Thank you to my accountability partner. And I just wanted to make you aware of it now, and I need your support. Yeah. You know, so that's the same thing when you, what you do with, with the congregation, you know, especially pastors we always think that we're, you know, too good to talk about these mm -hmm. things, but dude, that's why we need to talk about it. We go through the same things. We go through the same issues. And there, um, mm -hmm. there are men who've got this under control that can help you out. Um, you know, praise God that I've been healed of pornography addiction for the last 13 years. And, um, man, it's, we've just got it. We've got to be vulnerable. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Vulnerability is one thing that, um, that we lack. And, and that's actually, that was one of the talking points in our, in our group, um, this past week. It was interesting because I, I, um, I gave the class on, on man up in the church. We have s several different teachers and, um, I was asked to give this one. It's kind of awkward for people <laughs> when I was asking them as a pastor. So why, why do you guys not come to church? You know? Um, but, but I, one of the things that we kind of talked about was vulnerability. You know, we don't, as men, um, 
you know, the idea of coming and, and, and sometimes worshiping. And when we think about worship, we think of vulnerability. We think about, you know, humility. Uh, we think about sitting down and, and listening to another man tell us how to live our lives. And, and uh, there, there's kind of a, a hard shell that needs to be softened. And I think that's not just in the church. That's, that's in every one of these um, uh, talking points here. We just need to be more vulnerable. And that's, that's really at the end of the day, that's going to help us, um, you know, own our mistakes and, and let people know, Hey, I'm, I, I am human too. And I need, I need help. So that's a, well, great, and that's that, a great and point. The pride is pride is a killer, dude. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, for all, for all men, even women, pride is a mm-hmm. killer, you know, and it's, we just got to realize that, man, we're all the same. You know, you start talking about money or not having money or losing money or losing a job. You think that the world is coming to an end for most people. Yeah. yeah. Especially men, because that's where we put our pride into how that's much true. money I make, what kind of job I have, all of it. Like, really? At the end of the day, we're all going to go out of this world the same way we came in, yeah. you know, butt naked and, and cold. You know, yeah. it's going to, we're all going to end up in the same way. We've just got to realize that we've got to be vulnerable, open, and honest. And, um, through our church, I mean, I can just tell you that if you were to come to one of our, our meetings, breakfast, I mean, it's like that because that's the way that I started. That's the way that we've, we've pushed it from day one and not everybody will ever be vulnerable, but you know, there's always those that are pride filled that will never, you know, step into that arena. But I'm telling you what, dude, there's freedom when you start doing that. And when men start doing that, um, because man, you're just, you're just wide open at that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so your your last point on on man up is, is man up and and disciple. Um, right. So can you expand a little bit on that? So discipleship. In 2014, I did. Um, I spoke to about 5,000 men that year. It was probably one of my biggest years. Been a couple of years since the the man up book had come out, and we just started kind of hitting. And I spoke to 5,000 men, and for some reason, God gave me this idea to, to run, uh, do a poll every single conference. And I I gave, at the beginning of the conference, or at the end of the conference, I gave this example of Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. And I told everybody that we're all supposed to be a Paul. And, um, and I would expand on that, and I would say, Paul had a Barnabas and an Ananias pouring into him for almost three years before he ever went out in to, to do discipleship. And uh, or to to share the gospel with the Gentiles, and uh, once he did that, once he was trained, once he was taught, he went out and he found a Timothy and a Titus and a John Mark and these others that he started pouring into, and that's the best example of discipleship that I can give because here's the problem with most of us is that we think we can be a Jesus and have twelve guys under our belt. <laughs> that's that's really no no possible way for most men yeah. uh, to have 12 guys under their belt. So we need to be a Paul, have a Barnabas in our life pouring into us at all times, okay? So just because I feel that I've learned all that I need to know doesn't mean that I still don't need to have somebody in my life pour into. And so we've got to continue, we've got to continue that one way or the other. So out of 5,000 men, 189 guys raised their hand the whole year that either had a Barnabas or a Timothy in their life. Wow. And so what I saw right then was discipleship is not a priority in the church. Matthew mm-hmm. twenty-eight nineteen. go therefore into all nations, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then verse 20 goes on to say, teach them all that I've commanded you. And this is the last thing that Jesus said before he, he ascended into heaven. Yeah. And that was a serious, like of all the things that he could have said, he could have given us the, you know, the, the, the formula for life or the formula for love, the formula, like he could have given us so much more, but no, he said, go and make disciples. Like that wasn't a request. That's a command. Mm -hmm. And, um, if, if the 11 that were left over of Jesus's disciples had not done what he had told them to go and do, Mm -hmm. uh, we would not have the church as it is today. That's absolutely right. The church dwindling right now. Yeah. The reason being is because of the lack of discipleship. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and even into the 70s, we had this great evangelistic move, but, but no discipleship. Yeah. In the 80s, 90s, and even early 2000s, we had this great small group push, uh, but no evangelism. They go hand in hand. You yeah. can't have one without the other. Uh, you've got to evangelize. That's sharing the gospel. So 
people in your life, John, they're, you know, you have a sphere of influence that I will never be able to talk to, mm-hmm. preach to, come alongside of. God has given them to you for a specific reason. And so you, one, you share the gospel, that's called evangelism. Uh, You live out the gospel in front of them, that's called the Christian walk. Uh, And then you share biblical understanding so they can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's called discipleship. That has to happen hand in hand, and it's got to happen from every Christian, not just men, but specifically men, because it starts in our families, involves in the church and goes out the four walls of the church. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason um, that many, many boys, you know, like you said, they, they leave, they leave the church in their, in their teens, in their twenties, because they weren't, they weren't, they weren't discipled, right? They weren't, they weren't taught. Maybe they were, they were told, um, but being told and being taught and being discipled, those are different things, you know? So as a, as a, as a young boy, maybe you're told, you, you know, you, you go to church, but you're never told why you're never told, uh, what's important about it. Um, and so th- you never learn that. And, and that's, that's a failure of, uh, of, of discipleship or because the lack of it. Right. And, and so that's a, that's a great point as well. And, um, I'm excited to get to that, to that chapter and have that discussion. Um, I would I would bet if you ask your men, all the guys sitting at the table, how many of you have ever been discipled? Yeah. You will probably find maybe one out of the out of a group of twenty to thirty people. Mm-hmm. Literally. And yeah. so what I would encourage you to do from here on, you know, once you finish the book, now make disciples. Yeah. How do we make disciples? Uh, you know, maybe you take the book and you take a guy and you go through the book, and then you go. You know, I always tell people if if my book keeps you from reading the Bible, burn it. Like just throw it in the fire and use it as kindling, because mm-hmm. the Bible is where you're going to grow uh, more than anywhere. Um, and so, teach them how to systematically. And that's to be honest, dude. If you if you will read your Bible, the very first point of my book, have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have discipleship material. Yeah. My yeah. person, my da- daily devotion is my most of the time my my discipleship material. I don't have to study anything else. I don't have to do book studies. All I got to do is talk about what God spoke to me this yeah. morning right. about. And so the bookends of Christianity are really go and make disciples. Those are the bookends of our Christianity, and everything else in the side of it is the life that we live in between the two. That's good, um, Pastor Jody. It's been great talking to you. And the, the last the last chapter. Um, it, it, it's put up or shut up. Uh, right. And, and so I, I'm guessing that's, that's kind of just a, you know, a whole conclusion to everything that you talked about. You know, um, I don't know if you want to kind of wrap up just kind of with that, with that kind of uh, point. Yeah. I, I, here's, here's my biggest problem with Christianity right now is that the people that are talking more than anything are the people not doing anything. Uh, I call them Google theologians or Facebook prophets. Um, you've got people all over online. Social media is a killer to Christianity right now because it think it, 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 we think that it gives us a voice mm-hmm. actually living out. Um, and it's the same thing for Christian men. Like, either put up or shut up. You know, sit down, shut up, get out of the church, stop making the rest of us look bad, or put up. Like, okay, take what you've learned, actually do something now for the kingdom, um, and let's, let's do this together. Right. You know, stop, stop just, you know, mouthing off. You know, most of my complaints uh, always come, you know, at the church uh, that I pastor, most of my complaints come from the shallow end of the pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the people who are the Amen. least discipled, the least biblically um, trained, the least um, servants, you know, they always, that's where the most of the, most of the noise comes from, you know, yeah. get into the deep end of the pool and stop being a hindrance to the church. Stop being a hindrance to your pastor. Uh, stop being a hindrance to your family and come alongside of them. Pour into everybody. Be poured into and actually do something for the gospel. Yeah. Wow. That's great. You you hit it home with the, with that last point there. <laughs> um, well, uh, th- this I mean this book is it's really been it's been a blessing to you know to our men's group and it's it really is challenging them. I I would encourage anyone to go out and and uh and read it and i know i know a lot of women listen to this uh podcast um <laughs> buy, buy it yeah. buy it for your husband i don't know what that's going to do well, for their pride so, so here's 
Here's what I would say, first of all, for the if women do feel like they need to go out and buy mm-hmm. it, I would suggest that they they get one of their friends, uh, male friends, mm-hmm. to buy it for their husband. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they buy, give it to the male friend, and have the male friend give it to uh, their husband. What I've seen in the past is, you know, 60%, we've got a, a Facebook following of 860,000 followers. Oh, wow. And 60% of those are women. Uh, and what we're seeing is that women want their men to man up spiritually. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. want... They want this. Like it's not just like society's telling us that they don't. I promise you, they do. They want their men to come alongside of them, to stand up spiritually, to take over the spiritual role of the household and pour into the family. I promise you, man, it will change and rock their world when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does not always work when a woman walks up to her husband and says, "Here, you need to read this book." Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> uh, that. that's, that's almost kind of like you were talking earlier. The wife keeps complaining. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that dripping faucet mentality, eventually it becomes, you know, it becomes mute. And, you know, even though the water's dripping, we eventually don't hear it anymore. So, yeah, uh, I, I would I would uh, encourage the women to maybe sneakily sneak mm-hmm. it in there somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Without just handing it to them. Right. Right. That's a that's a very, very good point. I can see that happening. Um, well, yeah, Pastor Jody, I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to leave with our audience. No, I, I'm just, I'm honored to be here. I thank you for um, taking my book and just pouring into these men. I pray blessings over it. Yes, sir. Um, I've been praying blessings over it for the last six years, just that God would use it uh, in a mighty, mighty way. But more importantly, that it would lead people closer to him and yeah. to a relationship with him. Yeah. And it, 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 it has, you know, I, I, we, we definitely, we definitely see it. Um, you know, right now in our, in our, uh, we started 2020 with, uh, we have our, we have our women's group and we have our, our man's group and, and, um, we're starting to see, you know, more men gather because, you know, we're, we're gathering together, you know, and I, I think, I think, you know, men naturally, they like to hang out, you know, they like to be with, with other men and, and, and talk. And, uh, this has allowed us to, uh, to have all of that, but also expose some of the, uh, the real issues that, uh, exists within, you know, Christian men in, in America. So, uh, thank you. It's, it's already been Amen. a really big blessing. Um, how can people connect with you if they want to get your book, if they want to just, you know, connect with you or invite you to a conference or something like that? So the, the book is on Amazon. That's the best way to get it. They can get it to you in about 12 hours mm-hmm. um, yep. nowadays. Um, it's a Man Up, Becoming a Godly Man in an Ungodly World uh, by Jody Burkine. Uh, our website is uh, manupgodsway.org, and then you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, we have an event site on our website. If you uh, want me to come and speak at conferences, we are booking for 2020. Uh, midsummer to late fall right now. So uh, just fill out the request form and we can take care of you. I'd love and be honored to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Pastor Jody, thank you once again for joining us. Um, we're about there uh, towards our end. Um, so, you know, continue doing what you're doing and, 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 you know, pouring out that message. I believe that it's going to impact it already has impacted many men, um, and I, I believe that it's going to impact many, many more. So thank you again, and and, uh, and God bless you. Well, glory to God, and uh, I'm honored. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Thank you. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk to you again later in the future, maybe when when, when your next book is released. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, brother. God bless you. God bless.